0: Heard a real estate investor say to confidently invest in California today you have to be a cowboy. What are your thoughts about that? You got to be a little gangster. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. 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 So there is a little truth to that statement. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to... Okay, we're not going to do that. That was just a joke. That was a little fun. Uh, Welcome to Evolve Your Brand podcast. Today, my special guest is Josh Giordani. I've been practicing, folks. It only took me like 10 times from lawyer's title. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. All right. Josh, we're going to jump right into it. Let's do 60-second lightning fire questions. Okay. Cats or dogs? Dogs. L.A. or New York? Ooh, L.A.? Favorite car? Oh,
1: Porsche GT3 RS. Okay. Is that what you drive? I do have a Porsche, but not okay. a GT3 RS. That, yeah. that. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, favorite watch?
1: Ooh, uh, Rolex presidential, rose gold, olive dial. Okay. And do you have one? Uh, yes, but not that one. Okay.
0: All right. Uh, favorite sports team? Uh Chargers. Chargers. Even though they moved to LA? Even though they moved to LA. Okay. I I appreciate the loyalty. Yeah. I
1: appreciate it. How long have you been a Chargers fan? I've been in San Diego all my life. So yeah. So I, I stuck with it. Okay.
0: Yeah. Where were you born? Uh Ridge and Vista. Awesome. Favorite uh, favorite restaurant in San Diego? Blue Ocean. Favorite beach in San Diego? Carlsbad. Carlsbad. Which one? Just Tamarack. Tamarack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty. It's yeah. pretty. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Okay. Favorite city to invest in? San Diego, because I am familiar with it. Okay. That, that, I wouldn't have expected that from a real estate investor to say San Diego, <laughs> but you got me on that one. So Josh, let's just jump into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what is your story when it comes to like real estate? Where did you get started? Like, how did you end up in real estate? So I was I was
1: 18 years old working at T-Mobile out of high school. I didn't go to college. Um I, uh, if we're going to get real deep, my girlfriend at the time I found out she cheated on me same okay. day I called my dad and he's like, Hey, come move out with me. Come get your real estate license. He lived in Palm Springs at the time, packed my shit that day, moved out to Palm Springs, got my license three months later. Um, then moved back to San Diego and then full-time real estate ever since. So that evolved from being a realtor for 10 years and then now title insurance. And then obviously me investing in real estate as well.
0: Okay, so you moved out to Palm Springs when you were 18. Mm-hmm. Got your real estate license. Was out there for a year. Uh-huh. And where, where did your first deal happen? Palm Springs. Do you remember your first deal? Yep. So, okay, yeah. what was the best part about your first deal? Uh, I got the lead from
1: Craigslist. So okay. this, this was like back in the day <laughs> when like Craigslist ads worked. Right. So my dad, uh, he's he's a broker out there. He owns a brokerage. Okay. And so he was listing REOs back in the day through banks. And so all of the leads that were, or all of his deals, I was able to market and advertise them. So I would put them on Craigslist. Right. And sure enough, uh, I've actually back then, and this was two thousand nine, two thousand ten, sold multiple houses through Craigslist, which now is probably unheard of. People think it's probably, a, I mean, I'm sure it's probably a scam now. Right. But back then. You, I sold multiple from Craigslist. So that was my first, my first sale was directly through Craigslist. That's, that's freaking, that's freaking hilarious yeah. that you sold your first house through Craigslist. I mean, it was $135,000. I mean, back then it was okay. like, stuff was like, it was in Palm Desert.
0: Now we, you, every, everybody in our audience is going to start crying I that there's actually homes available oh. in California for $135,000. Yeah. So you, you were, you were an agent for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And what was, what was the best part about being an agent? What, what were you passionate about with regards to being an agent? So I had
1: a unique, um, which kind of translates into where I'm at now today, is that because of those experiences with um, my dad and the foreclosure industry and all of that, I had investors who were constantly reaching out to me to try to purchase any of the properties that were coming on the market that we had. So I started to learn what investors were looking at for deals back then. Okay. Um so I never really enjoyed the traditional real estate side, selling to friends and family. Also, I was in my early 20s when I was selling houses. So like people trusting me to buy a house, their biggest decision when I'm like 21 years old, Right. I, I was insecure about that. So okay. I just tended to work with investors because it was more of a business transaction. And it was, hey, if the numbers make sense, they'll move forward. And if they didn't, we'll just have to go and find the next deal.
0: So okay, Yeah. You want to hear, I'm curious on what you, what you have to say about this. Mm -hmm. I heard a real estate investor say to confidently invest in California today, you have to be a cowboy. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Uh, I mean, obviously with the way that the rental laws are, I'm assuming that's probably what they're talking about. Um, and if it's not that then the competition is obviously very high and you have to know what you're doing and have good relationships and have, um, a really good reputation on closing on deals, so that could be why they're saying that. It's kind of the two twofold. Either. Okay.
0: Yeah. Do you think you have to be a cowboy to be a real estate? Got to be a little gangster. You got to be a little gangster. Okay. All yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there is a little truth to that statement.
1: Yeah, and not like in in a sense of like it has to be you're, you're being difficult or shady. It's just like you're you're dealing with multiple offers in most cases. And it's, and it's a little different than traditional real estate. Whereas like there's still multiple offers with traditional, but with investors, it's like you have to, we're all running the same numbers. So it's like, who's going to take the, the tighter margin of the two, or get creative with terms, or not have inspections, or just have some serious cojones to like move forward with, you know, giving your deposit up and just walking into it with zero inspections and closing on it.
0: It's it's interesting that you're in the investor side of things because like. Uh- Let's just talk about the media. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion of how real estate in San Diego, we'll just talk about this market. Mm-hmm. How do you think real estate is portrayed in the media? You think it's accurate? What would you, what is, what's your input about that? The media is always delayed by two months. I think,
1: um, I actually stopped. I used to watch the news every morning and then I watched, uh, like squawk box. Um, but I stopped in golf. I stopped engaging in any of it. Okay. Um, And I think it had a lot to do with what's happened like over the last year and a half with just where our market has been, because we are in a very um, micro market where outside areas could be completely different in terms of how their market is compared to what San Diego is. Like we are based off of inventory levels, right? right? With our inventory being extremely low, we're seeing multiple offers again, over asking price again. So a lot of those things, it, 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 you can't look at macro. You have to look at micro. And so I was listening to all the stuff that was related to macro economy, which, um, you know, can make me nervous to move forward on some, you know, some purchases or, uh, you know, things that I'm looking at or make me a little bit more cautious on my investment decisions. So I had to look at micro stuff. So I stopped focusing on macro.
0: Nice. So you basically, I mean, this is the investor side, because as I was doing my research and homework on you, I really like the insight that you bring when it comes to like managing your finances and financial education. So basically what you said is it was influencing, you didn't want to be, you didn't want to get outside influence when it comes to your investor decision. No. (laughs) <laughs> and do you think the media does that the way they communicate information that it's influencing people to make the wrong decision financially? I mean, absolutely. Anyone you talk to
1: that's just a normal
0: person, if you were to ask them
1: before uh, rate hikes, if that was a good market or not, what would your answer be? Absolutely. A, you think it was a good market? So who right. knows? But why is it not a good market now? right? Like it doesn't make a difference. P- prices are down maybe 10% compared to what they were at the height. Right. But interest rates are higher. But who's to say that right now is not a great time to buy either. But everyone thought that back then was a great market. So what's the difference, right? Yeah. Prices went down by 10%. Rates went up by you know a few percent. But there's not to say that anything, either which one of them were a bad or a good market. Yeah. So I just have to base my own decisions off of what I feel comfortable with in my own, my own investing.
0: Yeah. And and I think, you know, just to piggyback off what you said, I I think everybody's situation is different and you got to do your homework yourself after you get the information. Um, If you were going to get, what was the best tip that you got uh, in order to get into real estate investing? What's the best tip you got from an investor?
1: I don't know if there's like one tip that I've ever gotten, but it's really engulfing in education and learning because you won't feel comfortable or confident to invest until you learn yourself. Like there's only so much that you can hear from other people. Um, But until you start doing it or taking the leap or just, you know, buy your first house or, you know, buy your first rental property or do your first flip, you have to go through those experiences first to understand like, Hey, is this something that I even want to like move forward or continue to do? Right? Like is, is owning, is homeownership for me or is investing in real estate for me? Nice. You just don't know until you do it. And, um, you know, for me, someone gave me the opportunity to invest and ever since then, that's kind of when I've just evolved and created, you know, steam behind it, but you have to just do, you have to take a leap and just start somewhere.
0: Do you recall your first real estate? Investment property that I was involved with, yeah, yes, for yourself, for like myself, your own personal yeah, one, yeah, yeah. Um, what was the biggest
1: lesson you learned from it? Well, okay, I'll go back to the first one. So, someone because I'm in title insurance, there's always, um, you know, my agents who are looking for an investor to buy one of their deals or buy one of the houses that are off market that needs an investor, right? That they aren't going to qualify for financing or right. anything like that. So, um, one of my agents had reached out to me and they asked me and I, um, my partner now who I do all my flips with, I brought him involved and he's like, well, why don't you, um, go in on this with me? And I'm like, well, what does that look like? Like no one's ever asked me to do that with, no one's ever asked me. So what was this, Josh? This was, I think three and a half years ago now. Okay. So three and a half years
0: ago was your first investment property.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, I, at that time I only had my W2 job. I was still, you know, working in title. I'm still obviously in title, but right. I only had my W2 income. And, um, during that time period, I was just like, you know, I don't know if, um, if like I could, I could afford to invest all that money. Cause it was going to be 75 or $80,000 that we would basically split in half Got that it. we'd have to do on both sides. So 40 each. And I didn't know that I felt extremely comfortable doing it. So he's like, why don't I do this? Why don't I just give you equity interest in it? I'm like, okay. No one's ever offered to do that for me either. So the first one, I ended up making $40,000 on equity by just bringing someone the deal. And I took that $40,000 and then put it into the next deal that I found. Nice. And then the next deal, and then slowly just started compounding from there. So to start out, I had, I didn't have enough money to afford to, unless I was to pull out a 401ks or investment right. accounts. And I didn't want to do that. So um, someone gave me the opportunity to invest in one of their deals and that's where the money came from. So like when people talk about like having no money to start, you can have no money to start and build up slowly. You just have to be creative. You do. Yeah. your connections have... matter too. No, cause cause for that sure. that is the other yeah. thing. But that was bringing value. Like I brought value to him right. where he was like, this kid's bringing me value. I see it. Like more deals are going to happen this way. If I offer him like this 10% equity interest or 15% equity interest. So, so on the second deal, what was
0: the biggest fear you, you faced? I, mean, I didn't have any fear moving forward. That So after the first one, you were good. Good. Okay. What was the fear about the first one was coming up with a the 40,000? There was, yeah, the initial, it was
1: just, it was just different for me to wrap my head around. Um. Yeah, it was just different for me to wrap my head around. I mean, that would have been, that was a significant amount of money that I would have, you know, back then that I would have had to put down. Right. So it was scary for me um, and not knowing anything, you know, on how that process was. I knew how to find deals for investors when I was an agent and how to run numbers and all of that. But, you know, using your own money, it's a different story because w- with my W-2 income four years ago, that it would have taken, it was, a, you know, my savings, it would have been, you know, pretty much majority of it back
0: then. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there, there's going back to that thing. You got to be a cowboy, and mm-hmm. when you find the right deal, um, is there is there a, a lesson that you would share with someone that owns a primary residence mm-hmm. in San Diego? Okay, locked in because this is this is where I think the opportunity is. We we created a lot of uh, unintentional investors. Mm-hmm. Like if I was if I'm a homeowner right now, I've been in my house for the last ten years. Right. I have an interest rate. Guaranteed over under four, mm-hmm. like ninety nine percent of uh, loans right now are below four percent. Yeah, I'm at two seven five. It's insane. Yeah. So, what's your tip for someone in this market that we're currently in? What should they do to build a real estate portfolio? It's tough.
1: So I, um, I wouldn't suggest this for everyone. Um, but if you only so like with my house when I initially started investing, so I bought my house in 2019. Um, so when I, we're talking about my first investment, I know you
0: timed it perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you, you did that on purpose, right?
1: I, I don't know. <laughs> no. Um, so when we're talking about like my first initial investment that I did with the equity interest with my primary residence, I actually bought a fixer. Um, and I didn't owe very much on the house. My interest rate was really low. And so once I started evolving with my investment portfolio, with my flips and things like that, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm going to go get a HELOC on my house. Okay. So I went and got a HELOC. At the time, like credit unions were doing like an introductory, like 0% interest for the first 12 months. Dude, I got like two hundred money right there. 250 grand on my nice. HELOC. Nice. So I was able to max it out at a credit union, 0% interest. And this is very risky. I would not say to do this in today's market. Right. But I used that HELOC to start buying more real estate, but I was buying it for flips so i was able to pay the heloc off and we're doing 90 day turnaround times right so like i was able to leverage that two hundred fifty thousand dollars to basically double it and did not have to use my heloc but now it's a little more like i don't know that using a heloc would be um i'm very risk adverse so i would not suggest someone just starting out to do something like that but I think looking, just looking for the opportunity and understanding what's a
0: deal and what's not a deal is very important. Um, Josh, that is like a phenomenal tip. You know, I work with a lot of investors and I think you got to look at deals Mm -hmm. and that's the hardest um, transition is because when someone looks at a deal, they think they're committed to buy and Mm -hmm. looking is not the same as buying. Right. So I think it's so awesome that you bring that up because I think that's the hardest part. Like, how do you help people realize like, as long as you trade your time for money, you're never going to get ahead. Mm -hmm. So like, what's your passion when it comes to, uh, you know, educating people on finances, cause you are putting content out there. Mm -hmm. So where does that passion come from? That you can really start. Like I've shared the story. Like we just
1: talked about, I started with no money and I, I, like even my, my, one of my close, my closest friends, like, he's like, how do I get involved? How do I start doing this? And I'm like, dude, like I'm sh- telling him everything that he should be doing on how and how to do it and how I got started. Right. Cause I don't care. There's like, and I'm sure you've seen this. Uh, I posted something the other day. Like, I don't, I don't believe in competition. I believe in collaboration. And so I think being able to collaborate instead of competing is so amazing because then you can help friends and family and other people learn how to do something that like, I'm forever grateful for the person who taught me how to do the things that I'm doing now. Um, and you so you want to give them a plug. <laughs> if I could, if I could give them back, uh, if I can get back, then I would do it in a heartbeat. So that's, that's, wh- that's where the content came from. is just, um, being able to share like the things that I'm going through and, and I'm early in
0: my stages, right? Like, um, well, that's know. what's shocking to me when you said you, you got your first, property three and a half years ago, mm-hmm. I mean, talk about a phenomenal time to start. And, and you posted something that said, not all debt is bad, right? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. not all debt is bad. And I, 100%, I think it was Raymond mm-hmm. who was on your podcast. He yep. was talking about like the, the book that woke him up was rich, rich dad, dad, poor dad. Yeah. And do you want to know what, 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 one of the best questions I love to ask mm-hmm. my clients is like, what's your favorite finance book? Mm-hmm. And as soon as they say rich, that poor dad, right. They have a conceptual understanding mm-hmm. of money. I, mm-hmm. uh, do you have kids yet? No, not yet. Mm-hmm. Soon. You're engaged.
1: We're engaged. Yep. So we're getting married in November in Cabo. Um, we're both 34. So, okay. You're getting married the, in Cabo. Yeah. The clock's ticking. Awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: We're excited. That is, uh, do you have the place all picked out and mm-hmm.
1: stuff? Yeah. We're actually going next, next week for a week. Um, venues picked and all that stuff. So we're doing our tasting and we're doing like a little bit of tour stuff. We're staying at the hotel that we have the room block cause we haven't stayed there before. Okay. So, but that's like, it's been the fiance's and I like vacation spots. We'll
0: go there like three or four times a year. What's your fiance's name? Whitney. Whitney. And how long have you guys been together? Six years. Yeah, congrats, congrats, man! Thanks, man. And we talked about it. This is the first one. Mm-hmm. So you're, First <laughs> one. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, so you're doing all. First all and your- last, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I, I champion that. Yeah, Stay yeah. married. Yeah, yeah. Stay married. So, what uh, when you see yourself like three years from now? Mm-hmm. What's in store for Josh when it comes to like your real estate investment uh, goals? So, how
1: do I answer this without saying sounding like? too cocky. No, 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 please. I, I, I ideally, hey Josh, let loose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, I have huge goals when it comes to like the financial investing side. Okay. Um, so I've done 30, we've bought and sold over 30 houses now in the, in the, in the three years this year, my goal is 25. So I'm at 11 or 12 right now. Um, 11 or 12 as of yesterday day before, cause we just got a new one. Uh, and then I just bought a place in Palm Springs that we're under construction on that. I'm going to keep as an Airbnb. So I, my, my goals are massive this year, but flipping I'm using as income to then inv- to then take that income and find other properties to invest in long-term real estate. So flipping is short-term cash. So Got I look it. at that as like your, your day job, right? Like for us, like title insurance and, and mortgage. So flipping to me is just a paycheck, but a massive paycheck to where I can put away on the side and then reinvest into my long-term portfolio. Um, 401k is like we've talked about before off off air. It's like it's only going to get you so far. And for me, it's like I don't want to. Um, I love working, but I want to be able to like give back in a way, like with the things that I'm doing now and what I'm passionate about. So if I can build up a you know portfolio of real estate where I can continue to share my story and and talk about you know, owning 20 units in Tennessee or 60 units, or then have a syndication where I can have all the people who all, who always come to me to um, invest in, in real estate now to invest in these syndications with me to do these big apartment buildings. That's the end goal. Um, And I don't know if there's an end, I said end goal, but I don't know if there's an end to it. I think it will evolve. Uh, I never knew that I would get to the point where I'm at like today and I'm so grateful for that, but now it's like, all right, what's the next step? Like, what does the next three to five years look like? And now it's like, I just want to continue to grow and
0: and keep giving back. I I did my homework and I love that you brought up syndication because like- you're introducing opportunities. I, I, I didn't realize like how much of my families that I support are are novice when it comes to the opportunities that are available in real estate. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's how come I'm digging in because you've been in the industry. When did you get uh, your license? Was 2010? 2010? Uh, 2000, yeah,
1: 2009, 2010. So it's my, uh, I actually was renewing my license in the parking lot today. Oh, nice. For my 15th
0: year. And, so. and how many hours was the, is it like 45 hours to it's renew it? Something in? like that. Yeah. Yeah. And they say real estate isn't hard. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, the license stuff is all BS. Like it doesn't, it's nothing to do with like regular real estate. Like what we go through on a day to, what realtors go through on a day-to-day basis. So, um, very different, but, um, yeah, it's still something that you have to do, obviously. So where,
0: where did you guys, uh, where did you end up buying? Uh, you live in Carlsbad? Yeah. So we, I live in Chatterridge. Shadow Ridge. So, yeah. Yeah. So awesome. I, I bought in Shadow Ridge. Awesome. Yeah. So did you grow up in North County? Mm-hmm. What's the, what, what, what is the biggest change you've seen now? We'll, we'll get into the fun, fun lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like what's the biggest change that you've seen with San Diego, North County when it comes to like housing growth, like what's blown you away? I don't think there's anything that's like, that really stands out that,
1: that blows me away. Yeah. There's nothing that really stands out to be honest. Okay. Yeah. I can't really think of anything. I've been there for so long that like, you know, constantly like when I was a kid, the Sinopolis, which was like a Kikorian back when I was younger, when I was in high school, we used to go there and like bring our, you know, high school girlfriends and like, that's, right. that's the place to hang out where now it's like you go there and it's dead. There's no one there. So it, you know, there's all of that that just constantly evolves. But we, we typically like whenever we're at like Woody and I, do we just go to dinners and stuff? So like we're, we're in the village a lot. Um, but we don't really, I don't really notice anything that's like evolved or changed too much.
0: Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think what blows me away is all the growth, like all the businesses that are going in there, they're revitalizing a lot of neighborhoods right. and that's where, um, you know, when I look at, uh, like first time, uh, home buyers right now. Mm-hmm you know, uh, the regenerification, the fix and flips. So here's a question for you. I mean, you've done 30 fix and flips. Mm-hmm. What, what is the biggest difference? Cause one thing I work a lot of open houses and a common feedback is like, this is a terrible fix and flip. Mm-hmm. So how is it that you guys go through, pick out your deals? And then how did you go about selecting your, like your contractors? So typically
1: the barrier, so I'll, I'll get into this first. The last you know, I would say previous two years before last year, the barrier to entry in terms of like a real estate investor was very, uh, wasn't that big, right? Like anyone could probably invest back then and do well due to the market appreciating. And it wasn't complicated. You could have bought a deal from a wholesaler off the MLS now with specific neighborhoods and you, you have to be a little smarter with how you're buying. Um, and if someone didn't have experience, if they were only doing a few deals here and there, then yeah, of course we're you're gonna you're gonna see that kind of stuff. Um, and people make mistakes, right? Contractors right. aren't perfect, and subs aren't perfect. So with with work being warranted most of the time, if you're using a GC, you know that's that's one thing. But then there's just like we use. Um, We use a contractor, contractor specifically who work with investors. So they don't work with homeowners. Got it. They know how, like in in terms of timelines, in terms of like how we work with hard money lenders and get reimbursed for, um, for all the repairs and things like that, that we need to do. Uh, it's hard because you're not seeing everything on a day-to-day basis. You do have to kind of rely a lot on your, on your GCs to like make sure everything looks good. But I mean, we've definitely had times where where we've sent them back and, and had them fix a few things that, that came up in the inspection reports. Or like, you know, if a, something came up like after the fact and you get a call, you have to kind right. of, you wanna make sure that w- your work is, is warranted.
0: So so that's basically, I mean, the solution is like, if uh, someone was interested in a fix up flip, first time, uh, first time home buyer or mm-hmm. family, just what what should they expect when it comes to, what what should they look at? When it comes to making sure that the work was done and how should they communicate if they run into a problem? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously getting a simple home inspection is important, right? right? And a lot of that stuff will come
1: up on that. Um, that that would be my suggestion. And then if, it, yeah, ask the listing agent if, if the work is is going to be warranted with the contractor or if that was going to be possible after the fact, like, hey, if something comes up, like, is there a way that I can call you and see if, if, um, if they'll come back out and fix little things here and there. But obviously if they nitpick, no one's going to do it. But if it's like a big, you know, a big item that comes up, like my house, for example, when I when I remodeled my house, when they installed my um, my sink, it started separating from the gap of the quartz to where the where the sink was, and it was like one of those big farmhouse sinks, so it was heavy. So I, I get it, but I just called my guy to come back out, and I was like, "Hey, this should be under warranty. Like that's a big deal. Like if it's separating from the quartz and not <laughs> sealed properly, that's not normal, right? That's not right. normal wear and tear. It's not like I'm standing on the the." <laughs> the sink to make it go against the courts so
0: right yeah um yeah it's it's these tips right here when i get you know when we have real estate professionals on it's like people walk into homes and they think everything is going to be perfect Mm -hmm. And that's just not, that's not real property. It's like, you got to set the right expectations with people and there's resolution. So I think when you look at uh, reputable companies, there's a lot of reputable fix and flip companies. So I think fix and flips just get a reputation. It's like, dude, not every fix and flip is... Is is done great, and there are going to be problems that Absolutely. happen. Every house, it's just real estate. Yeah.
1: yeah, and it's not their fault, right? Like not a lot of times, all. it's the con- you know the contractor they use the sub that maybe didn't do the work correctly. There's a lot of factors that can happen. So
0: right, yeah. What's you, what's one of your favorite up and coming uh, like cities or neighborhoods that I like West of Five and Oceanside. Okay, yeah. What, um, what do you like about it?
1: I just feel like it's one of those areas that is going to become with all the restaurant and the kind of the scene down there i think it's just going to become something bigger right as as it continues it's always been one of those things like growing up in north county it's always been one of those areas um that like when i was younger and and in high school and stuff when we'd go to when we go to the beach i would stay away from oceanside it was maybe a little ghetto back then right and now with all the hotels and like um Mission Pacific that's upstairs with the restaurants and stuff. I, I just, I can see it just continue. It's already blowing up, but I can continue to see that progression. Um, And then eventually probably get more expensive than even, even like Carlsbad in in some instances.
0: Okay. Uh, It's, it's funny that you say that. I'm a huge fan of Oceanside. Mm -hmm. Huge. Like the growth has been, there's a couple of condos I saw when, when they got listed at 1.8, 2.4. I'm like, in Oceanside and yeah. that was two to three years ago. Right. So how come you made the statement that you think Oceanside is going to be potentially more, you know, more expensive than that Carlsbad? What is it about Oceanside that stands out to you? That would be a great place to buy it. I think there's just more growth opportunity. There's with Carlsbad, it's already pretty
1: much built out. I mean, right. there's, there's not a lot of land development left that you, that they, that people can do. I think in Oceanside, there's a lot of, a lot of spaces that you still can, um, some of the old mom and pop, like auto shops that probably, you know, that, that may change eventually because those spaces could get bought out by developers to build yeah. something like hotels or like restaurants or you know, just more entertaining I- entertainment. Um, so that's where I see it. Cause there's just not in Carlsbad, you already have like, like, I don't know how much more growth you can do in that area. Right.
0: But, but so expansion wise, Oceanside has a lot more, a lot of potential and yeah. I, it's like one of the most affordable coastal cities Absolutely. in the country. For sure. It's, it's a great place to look at. Yeah. Um, shoot. No, okay. <laughs> it will be good for water break. All right, let's get, let's uh, jump into branding. Cool. So. Josh, we were talking before uh uh before we started the podcast we were talking about where you're, you started your branding mm-hmm. expert uh adventure mm-hmm. and uh you said Raymond stood out. So how did you uh start to create content, get passionate about social media? Where did that passion come from and then where do you see uh, branding going in our space in mm-hmm. real estate? So the my
1: creative started when i i'll just we go back to what we talked about in the hallway before we started sweet so i was going through my um my weight loss journey i was getting into fitness and this was like 2016 2017 and i decided to go on like a six month um diet cut and so i hired raymond uh, online coach who i did a podcast with and um you know, he got me into probably the best shape of my life. But during that time period, him and I became super close friends and he had a YouTube channel and a big Instagram following. And so I started posting my journey on Instagram back then. And then I started creating YouTube content uh, related around fitness back then as well. And he was pushing me to do it. He's like, you, you need to be sharing this. You need to be sharing your outlet. Like I'll tag you in all my stuff. And so I got to a point where I I created this Instagram. I think I had like 45,000 followers back then. And organically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is back in 2016, 1617. Holy smokes, yeah. man. Yeah. And then, uh, so after my like cutting phase that I did, Fitness has always been a passion. I love like working out and doing that, but it wasn't my career back then. I was like just getting started in title and I actually got fired from my first title company when I was going through like my weight loss cut because I was,
0: I love that you're vulnerable. You're like, I I just, I don't
1: don't give a shit. And so I, I got fired and I was like, you know what? Like I can't like this diet and doing like my, my fitness posting and my creative side was getting in, in the way of like my career. And I didn't see fitness as being like, like I didn't see my my path being that. So um, I literally stopped completely. Raymond and I are obviously still friends, but that was like what started my creative outlet. Um, And then in November last year, at some point, um, you know, I started just seeing more and more content and I was doing my investing stuff and I was like, you know what, like maybe I'm going to make some more content related to title insurance. And maybe I want to make some content related to like, um, you know, motivational type stuff and real estate investing. And once I started doing it, like the older videos are absolutely awful. But then as I evolved and I started creating more and more, and then people started talking to me about it. And like, like this, where people are inviting me on their podcasts and things like that, where it's just open conversation and you get to meet people that you didn't meet before, right? And it was connected all through social media, which is a powerful thing. Um, but that's the initial stem of my content creativeness was back in 2017, which now is is what I love doing and what I already do. So I can relate it to kind of all of that. So,
0: so, so with your branding strategy, I mean, it, it, it's funny that you left an account that had forty five thousand. Because I just deleted it. I, I you deleted it. Mm-hmm. For you, it's. uh, I mean, back in the day, it was a lot easier to get organic. You know, following back
1: then, it was just pictures, right? It wasn't like it wasn't video. It wasn't. um, Yeah, it was just pictures. And obviously, I had Raymond's help. He had like, I don't know. I think he has like 150 something.
0: Nice. I I started following him after I saw the podcast. I'm like, okay, this guy,
1: he's a little different. It's a big following. And then on on YouTube, I think it's around the same, like hundred and something thousand subscribers. And then I was around people who also that he was with that had a big following. So um, I think it was, if I was by myself doing it, it would have been a different story. I don't think I would have gotten to that point. Um, And it may have not have been 40. Maybe it was like 30 something. It was still a lot for a very short period of time. Uh, But it just wasn't my passion. Like I still like, you know like like to go out and have some beers and oh, like yeah. you know eat food but like i'm still into fitness i still go to the gym every day but like i didn't want to feel like i had to like be you know shredded or have a six-pack all the time it just wasn't healthy
0: yeah that wasn't your passion and we yeah. were talking about like how important it is especially like real estate is demanding like there's mm-hmm. no there's no on and off button mm-hmm. like you're never turning off it's mm-hmm. always on um like, what is your goal with your brand as you go forward, you know, over the next couple of years, you're in title insurance and yeah. and, and it's different mm-hmm. because most agents right now, I would say some of the best entrepreneurs, in my opinion, are in real estate. What are your thoughts about that?
1: I a hundred percent agree. Like we talked about, I think, you know, real estate is one of the biggest, uh, not tax loopholes, but you you have the biggest tax advantages with owning real estate, right? Whether it's investing or primary residence. Um, and that's why all the majority of very wealthy people get involved in real estate somehow, some shape or form. Um, my goals in regards to like my branding, it's constantly had to evolve. Like what we've been talking about a little bit. Um, I'm limited to the things that, uh, (laughs) I've been, uh, initially able, like initially was talking about to where I'm unable to talk about those things due to title insurance. Um, so it just had to evolve a little bit more, which has been challenging. Um, but, I, but I've just, you know, taken the punches and kind of just maneuvered to how I had to maneuver. And uh, for me now, it's like, I'm, I'm just going to continue to put out content. My strategy related to um, my my content is entrepreneurs in general. Okay. Um, and since I can't necessarily talk about my real estate investing stuff anymore, I've just switched my podcast to all all entrepreneurs in general and um now i'm focused on not doing uh just like short shorts that i was just talking directly to the camera but instead a collaborative short where it's like my podcast that i'm doing so right now i'm doing four episodes a month um that can typically translate into like 20 short form clips so my four episodes can then create 20 short form posts per month so as long as i can continue to moving that forward that's that's the goal
0: are you uh leveraging ai right now
1: Uh, so my editors do. Okay. Yeah. So I don't, the only thing that I use it for is I'll use it for captions sometimes. Okay. Um, and then, uh, titles, but now they have AI. I just, uh, the episode that I just did last week, he's a, um, a social media guy and he talks about how they have AI now for videos to where you can literally upload the videos and it will spit out all of the um, bullet points of the conversation. Yeah. So you know which timestamp it is to recreate a short based on that specific timestamp so you don't have to rewatch the whole clip again.
0: So pretty some insane stuff that comes around with AI. Bro, isn't it insane what they're coming out with? So the reason why I bring up brand is uh, you and I have never met before, Mm -mm. but we've talked a few times for the past Mm -hmm. couple of years and it's like, some of the richest connections you mm-hmm. talked about this, some of the richest connections I've, I've built mm-hmm. have been meeting people through so, social media. 100%. And you said you're a huge connector. Mm-hmm. Like how come you're passionate about the connector aspect of entrepreneurs? Like what do you, what impact do you want to make in your community? So
1: I connect with entrepreneurs because that's who I am, right? That's how I think. And I think entrepreneurs think differently. Um, you talk to any entrepreneur and they're thinking past five years, 10 years, they're thinking bigger, like what's next? How can I do this? How can I do that? And that's what I align with. So meeting people and and sometimes when, when they talk about like your circles, right? And like your network is your circle. Meeting people through social media actually recently has been great because it's been meeting with different entrepreneurs in the way that they think. And then doing these interviews like this, where you get to talk to people, do you golf? I do so not good. No, it's okay. <laughs> but golfing with clients, right? You're on the golf course for yep. five hours, right? Maybe have some beers, hang out. Those are like some of the best connections that I used to have. But now with these podcasts, when I'm bringing on entrepreneurs, it's almost like a different con- connection that you have. Instead of like being on a golf course, like you're you're sitting here having one-on-one, not a forced conversation, but you're having an hour-long conversation about. What you're doing and your life and your
0: goals and it's just a different way to connect with people. Josh, this was all about your story, man. Yeah. I think you know when you talk about being passionate with entrepreneurs, it really is like you wake up. There's no guarantees. Mm-mm. There's no. I, you said W two, man. I wish I would have W two. Right now, it's like you don't perform you don't need, right. It's that simple in real estate. Like it is, it is cutthroat and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the journey. What is your favorite, uh, like part of being an entrepreneur? Like when you wake up in the morning, what is your favorite part about being an entrepreneur?
1: It's like a curse and a, Say it's, it. it's more of a curse, but Say it, it. <laughs> it's being, it's being extremely busy, like busy to where like today, I have back to back appointments all day i'm not gonna lie exhausted right but those are the days where it's like you can push through you can still have these conversations and can't still spit shit out that like people can get from and takeaways. um but yeah that, that that to me is the biggest thing i love being busy when i'm not busy it almost makes me depressed like and i and i feel like i fall into this like weird dark
0: hole hey, uh, uh, san diego real estate with the number of transactions going down has been really depressing <laughs> recently yeah. In this industry, you have, to stay,
1: you have to stay like mentally strong in this industry.
0: You you do and, and I'm grateful for it. You mm-hmm. talked about doubling down. You know, right now I really think it, it 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 make more of a difference, bring more value, differentiate yourself more. So I think that's that that's the key to being an entrepreneur. It's mm-hmm. like, dude, you you gotta wake up every day, kick yourself in the ass that I gotta go regardless of how tired I am. Mm-hmm. And you can just see that, like you embody that. What is the what 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 is uh, I saw you listed in some books. Mm-hmm. What's the best best book you recently listed? listen to? And what did you take away from it? So I'm listening to a lot right now. So, so my, uh, you rotate books, you cycle through books all at the same time. I
1: think I'm on book number 20 right now.
0: Nice for Um, the year.
1: Yeah. So let's go. It's the first thing that I do every day. So on your iPhone app, on your phone, you can set a goal to how, how long you want to listen. So mine, my minimum goal is 30 minutes a day. And so I, a couple books that I really liked, um, and some of them I've already done, um, before, but millionaire success habits, Dean Graciosi. Okay. Really good He's one. Awesome. Um, there's a lot of takeaways from there about just being like super grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something about like him and and I still use this to this day of like people who like. I send texts to in the morning, just like, Hey, super grateful for you. Like, thank you for, for doing this for me. Or thank you for being a part of my life. And I don't do it all the time, but like, I will remember because of that, that book. Um, and I think it's important for people to realize like my mentor, for example, like or any of your mentors or any of your friends or family, you know, sometimes just sending them that text, you're like, damn, that felt good to like, not only send it, but then like sometimes when you receive those two, you're like, Hmm, that felt good. Like, thank you for thinking of me.
0: So where, where can our audience find you? Like, uh, what are your handles? Go ahead and give yourself a plug yeah, yeah. and all the agents out there. I will share this. I'll give you, I'll, I'll hype you up myself. <laughs> Thanks, man. Like I am genuinely all about people that bring value, you know? Cause I, I think the goal is like, how do I differentiate myself, bring you value. Right. So for me, it's like when I meet agents that are looking for an entrepreneur, that's an investor that has experience, that's a connector looking to educate people on finances, I'm absolutely going to be connecting them with you. So where sure. can our audience find you? And then for investor tips, <laughs> Hey, by all means, you can, you, they, they can reach out to you there or you yeah, can't yeah. give investor tips, but that, yeah, where yeah. they get, where so, can they find you? Main
1: thing is this Instagram, uh, Josh underscore Giordani, G I O R D A N I. And then um, I obviously my podcast as well, modern, um, modern mindset. So I kind of do something very similar to you in terms of inter- interviewing entrepreneurs in the space. Um,
0: Yeah, well, definitely. We're going to drop all the handles. Also want to give a shout out to Icon Industries, the producer and uh, uh, our wonderful, wonderful production team. Just want to thank you guys. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on Evolve Your Brand uh, podcast. Please drop your comments below. Reach out to Josh. Josh was phenomenal. I hope (laughs) you got a lot of insight in regards to how to become a real estate investor. And Josh, thank you so much for being on. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.